goodnewsministriesofgnm.org. It's the Catholic place for growing your faith. Good News Ministries will provide you with faith-building reflections, virtual retreats, prayer resources, and lots more. All of it is free. Visit gnm.org today. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. By definition, a storyteller conveys events in words, images, and sounds, often by improvisation or embellishment. The Living Bread Radio Network presents The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. Today you'll hear a faith-based, inspirational story that's both heartfelt and heartwarming. And now, let's meet today's storyteller with Tony Agnesi. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. We're heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. with an encore broadcast Sundays at 9 a.m. here on the Living Bread Radio Network. The program is also podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio. And it's available anytime at thestorytellersradio.com. The Storytellers is sponsored in part by CatholicBook.net. All of the featured books here on the show, including uh, my two books, are available there at CatholicBook.net. And if you'd like to talk with me about speaking for your church, retreat, mission, or conference, or see my schedule of appearances and check availabilities, you can go to my website at TonyAgnesi.com. We've got a great guest today. His uh, name is Joel Stepanik, and his book is Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. Joel is the Director of Resource Development at Life Teen, another great organization that I've had a chance to speak for a couple of times. He's also a ministry team member and a keynote speaker down at the Steubenville Youth Conference uh, down there at Franciscan University. Joel Stepanik, welcome to the program. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Tony. Um, your book is entitled Chasing Humility, and the first thing that caught me about that, Joe, was we really do have to chase it, don't we? It can feel like that, absolutely, and sometimes I don't know that I feel like I've ever really caught up to it. It's one of those things that that we have to work on constantly, huh? It is. And I think one of the challenges with humility and why it can feel like such a race is that it can be so ambiguous, can it? Like, what does it mean to be a humble person? I know for me, growing up, I'd hear keynote speakers and priests and religious talk about humility. It's the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. And I was like, yeah, I want that. And then Sometimes they would say, and the thing about humility is once you start talking about it, you're already failing at it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so I, I need to grow in this thing, but we can't talk about it. So how do I do that? And so it's always felt like sort of this thing that we need, but it's just out of reach. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, when they, they hear the word humility, 
kind of define what that means incorrectly, that it uh, that, that somehow it's weak or it's humble uh, in a sense of of not being uh, uh, outspoken on anything. It, it's almost one of those words where you go, well, geez, I, I, I don't want to be like that. It's not very attractive to me. Absolutely not. I know for me that was a struggle for a long time is associating humility with self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. The idea that, well, if I really want to be humble then I can't even accept a compliment. I need to just redirect it and say, well, you know, God is good. Every good and perfect gift I have is from him. I'm just nothing. I'm a worm. I'm just the worst. Uh, so please don't compliment me because it, it just is insulting uh, to our, our maker, our Lord, uh, that you would even think to compliment me. Hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that definition of humility doesn't just jive with our own personal sense of self-worth. But it's getting harder even to look at an authentic definition of humility in a world where we're told you've got to be promoting yourself, you've got to be outspoken, you've got to be really even climbing a ladder and pushing others down beneath you. We're focused on ourselves so much that the idea that I would step back and focus more on others sometimes or that I would have a confidence that's not rooted in affirmation but is rooted in who I am as a child of God, that's a foreign idea. Mm-hmm. And it is, for, it is for an awful lot of people. And uh, when did you come in contact? Uh, your book uh, is based on the litany uh, of humility, and you really have broken it down into some really great areas where you take some of the different uh, petitions in the, uh, in the litany and, and, and group them and talk about them in that way. When did you come in contact with the litany of humility? I was introduced to the Litany of Humility when I was in my first year as a youth minister at a parish. It was my first year of full-time ministry, and I had several experiences. When you work with teenagers, it's just going to happen, where I was humbled, and I realized that by propping myself up in some of my prideful dispositions, I was setting myself up for these really big failures. And a friend turned me on to it and said, here's this devotion, it's called the Litany of Humility, and they encouraged me to pray it daily. And man, that has been an incredible spiritual practice, but uh, it's been one since I've had since about 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I came in contact with it myself uh, about that about, about that same time. It's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. and I pray it uh, every morning. And, and um, I don't know if this affected you, but I found it... When, as I was praying it, I found it pretty easy till I got down to from the desire of being consulted because I spent 30 years in the consulting business. It was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to um, ask Jesus to deliver me from the desire of being consulted, and I'm a consultant. I kind of right. I kind of skipped over that one for <laughs> for the first couple of months, and then uh, you know the fear of being calumniated. I didn't even know what calumniated was, so I, I was I was good with that one. So how did you? How did you react to some of these individual petitions that uh, follow in the in the litany? I think the litany of humility is great as an examination of conscience. I think that uh, it does that, doesn't it? We yes, find it does. certain petitions where we're like, man, if I really am praying that, that's hard to pray. Do I really want, in your case, I think that's a great example. I am a consultant. Do I really want to pray that, Lord, other people would be consulted before I'm? I'm consulted. Um, And I think for every person, if we're praying it authentically, there's an area that is challenging for them to pray. I know for me, one of the things that is most challenging is the desire being preferred to others. Like, it's that 
idea of affirmation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, imagine uh, to say, you know, I prefer to hang out with you. Like, I want to be people's preference. Or when I'm going to pick a keynote speaker, that would be my first preference, is I would want to go with that guy. Mm. Um, and then I think the flip side is praying with the fear of being humiliated. Lord, like, deliver me from the fear of being humiliated. Who wants to be humiliated? Mm-hmm. Who wants to experience that? I think those are tough petitions for me to pray, and those ones always take a little bit of extra grace. Yeah, they really, really do. Share, share, do you have it in front of you? Can you share it with our audience for those? I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening to the program are familiar with the uh, Litany of Humility. What, how, how long ago was that written? Was that uh, that's fairly... Um, and not ancient, but it was written a while back, right? Yeah, so the Litany of Humility, as it stands today, is traditionally associated with uh, Raphael Cardinal Mary Del Val, who was the Cardinal Secretary of State under Pope St. Pius X. Um, but what's cool about it is that there's actually an older version of the prayer that appears in a book of prayers for uh, devotion before the Blessed Sacrament, um, that was written, I think, about three years before uh, Mary Delval was born, and it's written by ACR clergyman, which is a pen name. So the original version of the Litany of Humility is probably, at this point, about 170, 180 years old, mm-hmm. um, and it's written by somebody who is totally anonymous, which I think is fitting. It is. Uh, but it's been, around, it's been around for a while, at least in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Let's get, let's go through it real quickly, or not not real quickly, but let's go through it so people get a sense of 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 the prayer and the petitions that are in it. The prayer begins with reaching out to Jesus by name. So it starts, "O oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me." So the first petition is that cry that's echoed so often in the gospel, "Lord Jesus, Son of David, hear me, have mercy on me." So we call out to the Lord, and we recognize that the Lord is our example of humility. So the prayer starts off with this great tone. And then it's a deliverance prayer. So we ask initially from deliverance from desires that are disordered. So we pray from the desire of being esteemed, and after every petition, we pray, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved. And after all those, we repeat, deliver me, Jesus. And maybe some of you listening, after you heard a couple of those, you're like, man, that's tough, like to pray against the desire of being loved. But we have to remember, we're praying against desires, especially that can become disordered. Uh, And when we pray against those desires, the litany of humility then moves into a list of fears to also be delivered from. If we're emptying ourselves of desire, empty spaces, the devil can really work in those places and put fear to fill up that emptiness. So the next natural movement is we pray for deliverance against fears. So the next movement of the prayer prays from the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected. So we list these fears, and we say, Jesus, deliver me from these fears I have that really are places where I might have an opportunity to grow in humility and grow in grace and encounter you. Uh, But we can't just leave these empty spaces. And so at the end of the prayer, we ask Jesus to fill us back up with a good desire, with an ordered desire that's ordered towards love of God and love of neighbor. So I love this last part of the prayer, because then we pray, 
that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, which is such a loaded statement. Say, Jesus, Mm. just grant me the grace to just desire this thing. Not even, Jesus, make me desire it, but give me the grace I need to gain this desire. Uh, That others may be esteemed more than I. That, in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed that others may be preferred to me in everything. And I love this last line, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Mm -hmm. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Mm -hmm. The book is entitled Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. My guest is uh, Joel Stefanik. And uh, uh, Joel, um, uh, what I found really fascinating about the book is you have those three uh, separate areas, uh, you know, the fear and the desire uh, desire and so forth and creating a new heart. But you did something I found fascinating and actually it it was really, really of interest to me is you kind of uh, shuffled the cards a little bit and rearranged them into some into some areas that um, that we should all be thinking about and working on. Tell us how that came about and, and maybe share a little bit about uh, what brought you to, uh, you know, to that uh, sorting of these uh, uh, different petitions. One of the things I found with humility, as I shared earlier, is it just doesn't always feel practical. And I'm a pretty practical guy. So I wanted to say, if I want to grow in humility, if it's so important to the foundation of my prayer life, but also important just to being a disciple, then I want to know how to act on these things. And I realized in praying through the Litany of Humility that if through my own kind of personal prayer and reflection, these petitions kind of lined up. As I was saying, we pray against a disordered desire, but when we lose that, fear can creep into that empty space, and then we need to ask the Lord to fill us back up with something. And so I realized that if we rearrange some of these petitions— they actually become very practical. So I found that the litany of humility can be broken down into eight practices that will help us be more humble, that a humble person is authentic, a humble person is growing in confidence, a humble person is grateful for today, a humble person loves others, a humble person gives praise, a humble person empowers those around them, a humble person is able to become a mentor, and a humble person is able to break boundaries in order to share the gospel. And so the book revolves around these eight topics, these eight practices, and then the supporting petitions from the Litany of Humility that have been rearranged so that they really speak into what this one practice of humility can be. And then you you, ha- you offer some uh, some uh, uh, things you can do, a journaling and so forth, that uh, that can help you along the way. Which yeah, as you great. said, humility takes work, so it takes time, and there's a practice to institute weekly, monthly, and then every year just in reflection as sort of a personal retreat to aid uh, prayer. Mm-hmm. It's uh, interesting because I, what I and, and I've been doing this for years, and you, you know you don't think about it in that sense. But every year, right around uh, New Year's, I always uh, sit down with a sheet of paper, and usually in the Adoration Chapel, and I kind of start with a clean sheet of paper and and uh, you know put down those things that I want to do less and those things that I want to do more, and many of the eight. Uh, uh, ideas here that you talk about in the book are those types of things that that we have a tendency I don't know if it's a natural tendency but we have a tendency to zero in on am I authentic Mm -hmm. am I am I grateful Uh, you know am I loving properly Uh, do I praise others and so forth and uh, so I found that great 
Joel Stepanik is my guest. His book, Chasing Humility, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. When we get back uh, from the break, we're going to kind of zero in on uh, these eight steps, and we're going to talk a little bit about each and what you might do um, uh, to uh, put some of these at work in your chasing humility in your life. Uh, The book is uh, published by Ave Maria Press, and um, we'll be back with more on The Storytellers after this. Support for the Storytellers is provided by CatholicBook.net, serving the Catholic community for 30 years with books, Bibles, gifts, and more. CatholicBook.net is safe, secure, and simple to use. Just a few clicks and your purchase is delivered right to your door. CatholicBook.net, for 30 years, a commitment to service. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome back to The Storytellers. We're talking with Joel Stepanik, author of the book Chasing Humilities, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart, a fantastic book published by Ave Maria Press, and it's based on the litany of humility. And what's of interest to me is it's one of my favorite prayers. And and I found out uh, earlier that it's one of Mother Angelica, who is our kind of guide here at the radio station, one of her favorite prayers as well, and it's in the Mother Angelica Tour Press prayer book which uh, which is of interest well let's zero in Joel on some of these uh, some of these items some of these uh, chapter headings uh, um, authenticity is the first one and we hear an awful lot about being uh, the authentic version the, the the person God intended us to be and certainly humility plays a role in that it does I think when we are authentic and this is the groundwork of humility as a whole we have to know who we are but we have to know who we are as a person who stands before the Lord. And so sometimes that statement of humility is as simple as saying, God, you're God, and I'm not. Like, that puts us in a right order. The disorder that's caused, you know, all the way at the beginning of the book of Genesis is the man and the woman saying, I think I am like God. I could be like God. I I want to be on par with God. And that act of disobedience is an act of pride. And so humility puts things back in right order to say, God, you're God, I'm not. And now we can have a relationship because we've defined the terms. Mm -hmm. So being authentic is being able to look at that and not in a self-deprecating way to say, oh, like I'm the worst, I'm I'm so unholy before God, but to be able to say that in Christ, I made an adopted son and daughter in God, and that's my identity. And when I talk about living authentically, I want to live that identity first and live it authentically. And that has to be the foundation for humility, because then we can let other things go. We can be detached from the other superficial pieces of our life, which aren't necessarily bad things, but also if they become the core of our identity, become very disordered. Mm -hmm. The next one is confidence. And I don't know why, but a lot of people, when they think of the word humility, confidence, it it kind of is is not necessarily a 180 of what they conjure up, but they certainly don't conjure up a confident Christian. No, and we should, because I think in our own experiences, both with people who are in the church and are very holy, but then other people where we might say, I don't know about enough about that person to deduce their holiness, but I know who they are uh, just on a friendship level. Humble people are always confident people. Like we leave a conversation with them and we think, wow, like they asked me so many questions about me and were interested in who I was and they just seem so humble. 
but there's this quiet confidence about those people. When we are confident in who we are in the Lord and in God's creation, so I look at myself in the mirror and I have to have this self-worth to say, if God created me and God loves me, I ought to love me too. Mm -hmm. You know, otherwise I'm saying to the Lord, oh gosh, God, your creation just isn't that great. You know, and I think when we lack self-confidence, that's a small part of what we're saying to the Lord. And for different people, there's different struggles with that. And I talk about that in the chapter. Mm. Um, some people maybe have a mental struggle with depression or anxiety that sometimes prevents them from really embracing that. I know that's been a part of my journey. Uh, but even in recognizing that to say, I want to grow and overcome this piece of my life so that I can start to see myself as God sees me. When we have that confidence and when we're growing in that confidence, suddenly we're able to let things go like what other people have, uh, being envious. We're able to walk away from needing to be fat on affirmation because we're confident in who we are as the person God made us to be. Mm -hmm. The next area you talk about is one of my favorite areas to discuss, and that's gratitude. I always say if you're not grateful for what you have, what makes you think you'll be grateful for what you want? And, uh, um, you know, my wife has a little sign above the kitchen sink that says uh, happiness is wanting what you have and so forth. Um, in, a, in a society, in, in today's culture where more is always better and you're always seeking, you know, to add and to, and to have more, gratitude kind of gets left in the background, doesn't it? It does. We are always trying to find the next thing. And I love those two quotes you shared. I heard one recently that uh, has been impacting me in a pretty dramatic way, which is envy makes rivals out of friends. Oh, good one. And that's been mm -hmm. just hitting me right in the chest, because when I'm not grateful for what I have, I start to look at what other people have, and then I want it. And this leads to pride, because what is envy really saying? That person doesn't deserve it. I do. You know, and yeah. so I think when we're not grateful for what we have, envy creeps in for what we have not. And then what I'm really saying at the core of that is my friends, my coworkers, just random people I don't even necessarily know, don't deserve those things as much as I as do. much as I would. Right. Yeah. Right. Chasing Humility is the book, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. We're talking with Joel Stepanek, who is the author of the book. Joel is the uh, director for resource development at Life Teen and a member of their ministry team, speaks at conferences and so forth. Um, love and praise are two that you mentioned in here. We can kind of maybe lump together here as we get closer to the time we have together. Being a, being uh, able to praise others um, is difficult for some people. They, they feel like maybe they're elevating someone to a level higher than themselves. Uh, we, but isn't that what we're called to do in humility? We are. I think people look at praise as a zero-sum game. Like, there's only so much of the praise pie to go around. So if I'm giving praise to other people, what's left for me? If I praise other coworkers, maybe my boss will hear that praise and then instead of me getting the promotion, they'll promote somebody else. But mm -hmm. I think the reality is that praise isn't a zero-sum game. We actually increase a culture of praise as we affirm and praise other people. And I think that's absolutely key in a, a place where people are so isolated and alienated and feel alone. To be able to call out the good that we see others doing and to praise it, uh, that can be the catalyst to creating a culture within our family, within our friends, even within our offices, where it just becomes the norm. I'm going to affirm the good I see you do. I'm going to give you praise, and I'm going to anticipate that coming back to me in return. Mm -hmm. 
in the in the chapter on love, I know we talk about that last uh, that last petition that says that others may be loved more than I. Uh, Jesus grant me the desire, uh, grant me the uh, grace to desire it. Um, it, it. You know, we we uh, in in this pursuit of love again in in twenty nineteen society, um, um, it, it it becomes almost contrary to what everybody uh, wants to say that you know I really I really want you to you know to, to you to be loved for you to experience uh, love and um, this desire of uh, maybe being uh, des- despised or uh, not being loved myself uh, uh, causes me to uh, to uh, to uh, uh, not be the most humble person. It does. I think what the desire for love, or even, and what happens is oftentimes people settle for a substitute of love, mm-hmm. they think it's love, like a splendor love, and they wind up feeling so broken. And this is where it goes back to authenticity. I can only love others more than I would desire that others would love me if I know that I'm already loved perfectly by the God who made me. Mm-hmm. And so if I have that reality fixed, then I can go out and live that second great commandment, like love your neighbor. St. Paul was getting at this in the book of Romans. He talks about how the early Christian community ought to anticipate one another in showing honor, that they should look to their neighbors and love others more than themselves, because if everybody in the community is looking out for one another like that, there's Mm. going to be enough care to go around. But this is living into the call. It's the most actionable thing, I think, actually, in the book, is go, and if you want to pray... God, that others would be loved more than I. Jesus, help help me desire that. We can work towards others being loved. We can go serve the poor. We can go reach out to our family, our friends. We can anticipate that we will love others um, well today and, uh, and actually act on that. In your uh, area on mentoring, which is another one of my my favorite areas uh, uh, to to talk about, I wrote a, a story in my first book called uh, "Love and Knowledge: The Two Things You Can Give Away and Still Have." You know, I can teach you everything I know, and I still know it, mm-hmm. uh, and I can love one hundred percent. So I, I can love my wife one hundred percent. I can love my God one hundred percent. I can love my kids one hundred percent, and I still have the power to love. That mentoring uh, then becomes comes uh, I'm not giving something away I'm giving it but I still retain it and I find that to be uh, a great way to look at how I can maybe help someone younger than me in their in their development in their uh, uh, prayer life and so forth without having it have any adverse effect on mine I know and I think the challenge is in our culture and so many people have lived through economic challenges that more and more people fear mentorship, either because, A, they just are like, I don't want to invest the time. I don't want to pour into somebody. It's hard. It's challenging. And my time is about me, which is pride. But then I think the flip side, and I've heard more and more people share this, is if I share with you all the things, all the knowledge I've worked so hard to gain, you'll pass me. Mm-hmm. One day you will you will overcome me and then maybe you'll take my job. Maybe I'll, I won't be wanted anymore. Maybe you'll be the one who's preferred over me. And, uh, and that generates this desire to cling to that knowledge, even though we're not losing anything. And then sometimes there's just a bitterness, like that yep. idea of, I've worked hard for this, you have to work hard for it too. Yep. Uh, a- instead of saying, I worked 10 years to cultivate this skill, and yeah, you're going to learn it all I'm going to pass over the next it. six months together. You, you know. Well, we just have a we just have a minute left. I wanted to ask this question as it relates to your job with Life Teen. How how 
difficult or easy or what how do you find young people today uh growing up in this 2019 culture with the with the subject of humility i think they desire it because at its core it's being confident in knowing who you are in your identity but they're so fearful of it because right now not just youth but it's a, an acute problem have built their identity around how much will people like me affirm me follow me see me and they've equated the social media persona with their real persona, mm-hmm. and that rises and falls with the likes and the follows. And I think that's the biggest area to key into, that that's not needed. Uh, the one thing that's needed is to know who you are in Christ, and everything else will follow. Joel, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Joel Stefanik is my guest. Joel's book is entitled Chasing Humility. Uh, Terrific book, Eight Ways to Shape a Christian Heart. I highly recommend it. It's published by Ave Maria Press. Thank you, my friend, for being with us. Fascinating half hour. Thank you, Tony. And that's our show for today. My thanks uh, to Joel for joining us. If you missed part of the program, it'll be re-aired this coming Sunday at 9 a.m. This is Tony Agnesi, we'll see you next week for another edition of The Storytellers. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi, a production of the Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio. To learn more about today's storyteller, go to thestorytellersradio.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast and hear all of our past shows. And join us again next week at this same time for The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. This is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tours Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.